So the question at this point in step three is, are we in charge or is God in charge? When we turn our will over, that means we're surrendering our plans. And when we turn our life over, that means we're surrendering our path. So another way to say this step is that I made a decision to turn my plans and my path over to the will of God. Has your marriage been shattered by sexual betrayal? Are you wondering if it's possible to save your marriage? Or even if you want to? Your story matters, and there is hope for your marriage through Christ Jesus. Welcome to Beyond Broken Vows podcast. I'm Johnny. I'm Emily. And friends, we've been where you are. Our marriage vows were shattered by adultery fueled by pornography. But through commitment to recovery, our faith in God, and our hope for redemption, we set out on a journey of healing. Now our marriage is better than we ever could have imagined, and we give God all the glory. On our show, we'll talk through difficult topics, infidelity, porn addiction, recovery, and more. So if you're ready to move from pain-filled todays into hope-filled tomorrows, grab your favorite beverage and spend a little time with us. Marriage is redeemed. Hearts renewed. On Beyond Broken Vows podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Beyond Broken Vows podcast. Yes, we hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving Day celebration and that y'all found some ways to express gratitude to God and to your spouse for the many blessings in your life. Yes, and before we get into our topic for today, we have a review we want to share with you, and this one is from Shelly. Shelly says, Johnny and Emily are amazing people, both individually and as a couple. Their love for the Lord and others truly pours out of them as they give it their all to help others in their marriages and their walk with God. You will not walk away from them untouched in your marriage journey and your relationship with Christ. You owe it to yourself and your marriage to reach out to them. Thank you, Shelley, for those kind words. We are so humbled to know when we've been used by God to help strengthen marriages. Yes, couldn't agree more. So you may be thinking right now that you want to stay married. But you don't know if you and your spouse can overcome the devastation of your covenant that was broken by sexual betrayal. You can't imagine your marriage surviving the fallout of this traumatic event. We want you to know you can't do this on your own. You need help. Yes, our coaching program, Beyond Betrayal Breakthrough, will help you and your spouse navigate the pain of betrayal and the feelings of shame, guilt, unworthiness, abandonment, and rejection that threaten to overwhelm you and your spouse. We will show you how to surrender it all to Jesus and give you strategies to learn how to set healthy boundaries, open lines of honest communication, navigate emotional challenges, and rebuild trust so you can move forward into the new marriage God desires for you. Head on over to coaching.beyondbrokenvows.com right now so we can help you get unstuck and on the path of healing and recovery to experience the wonder of what God has in store for your marriage. Yes. We very much enjoy the time that we get to spend with those that we coach. Yes, I also love to see the transformation that takes place when God is put in charge of marriages. So Emily, in episodes 26 and 27, we introduced steps one and two of the Sex Addicts Anonymous 12-step recovery program. Today, we'll be talking about step three, which is made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood God. And, as I've done for the previous two steps, I want to again share from the Sex Addicts Anonymous Green Book of Recovery just a few things that it has to say about step three. Okay, that sounds really good. I'm excited to hear it. So it says in the book, taking step three means acting on our belief that a higher power can relieve our addiction 
and restore us to sanity. We loosen the grip on our old destructive patterns, perhaps not knowing yet what will replace them, but in faith that something better will be revealed. When we surrender our old way of living to a power greater than ourselves, we don't always know where we're going, but we can be sure that it will be better than where we were. It is helpful to remember that all we're doing is making a decision to turn our will and our lives over. At this point in our program, we are simply willing to move forward. We decide to make a commitment to recovery and to our spiritual growth. So, Emily, there's some very important points inside of that passage, and we'll get to those in just a moment. But would you open us in prayer today? Yes, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for step three. (laughs) Father, this is one of the most important things that we can do in our lives, not just in recovery is to turn our will over to you every day. It's a daily thing, Lord, because we can mess everything up on a continual basis. And so we need you to take charge of our lives every single day. Lord, we ask that as we go through this topic today, that you would open our ears and our hearts to hear what you want us to know about this important step of turning our will and our lives over to you. We ask that you would walk with us and those who are listening today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, Johnny, would you remind us about step three and what that says? Yes. Step three says, made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood God. In step one, we admitted that we were powerless and also that our lives had become unmanageable as the result of our choices and our behaviors. Step two brought us to a place where we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So here we are at step three. This is where we take steps one and two, and we turn them over to God. Inside of that are a couple of big ideas. First of all, you need to make a decision, because without making the decision, you're not going to move forward. If somebody else makes the decision for you, you may move forward with resentments. And that comes later in the 12-step program, working through resentments. But it's time now for you to start making those decisions on your own. We as addicts are not really good at making decisions. Or at least good ones. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. We're not really good at it. We do make them, but we're not good at it, meaning that we allow other people or circumstances to make those decisions for us rather than being assertive. We tend to be more passive. Or we can jump clear to the other side of the spectrum and be controlling. Mm, Sure. I can see that. The second idea in there is turning your will and your life over to the care of God. You know me, I like to define things. And the Green Book defines our will as our plans and our intentions, and then defines life as the carrying out of those intentions. So in our minds, we have intentions, and we may even have good intentions, but somehow it gets lost in translation in the way that we carry it out. So now it's time to turn that over to God, to allow him to start directing that for us, because we're recognizing in this step that, yeah, it didn't do so well. It's time to let somebody else be in control. Yeah, I'm sure that's a very difficult thing to do sometimes. Yes, and I think that for just about everybody, not being in control of your life is not comfortable. It's not preferred. But when it comes to us men in particular, somehow it feels like it cuts a little deeper. It touches our identity. 
it touches a little bit of our masculinity. We don't want to be known as not in control. And then to turn that control over to somebody else can seem like a really tall order. Lady, you're asking a lot. <laughs> you know, that kind of idea. Yeah. And we can even say that through our actions as believers when we're talking to God. We know that we're supposed to allow him to lead our lives. But then we pick all of our problems up and we carry them on our own. And we think that we're still going to be able to sort them out in our own ways. And so we're basically saying, God, to turn myself over to you, that's a pretty tall order for a man. Yeah. And it is for women, too. We like to be in control. <laughs> we like to control our kids. We like to control our husbands and our own little worlds. It's something that we all struggle with. God is always going to do things better. But somehow we just keep trying to insist that when we want something done right, we've got to do it ourselves. I think what I just heard you say is that maybe it's not quite so unique and different from that of a man, because you ladies also struggle with your own form of wanting to be in control and having control over your circumstances and environment. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Our senior pastor, Emily, has said on many occasions that next to the will of God, the second most powerful force in the universe is the will of man. Or woman. <laughs> <laughs> right. You think about that idea as it plays out in Scripture. Adam and Eve had the power to exercise their will that was given to them. They had a choice in the garden to be obedient to God's will. But they chose their own will. They chose to believe the deception that Satan, in the form of the serpent, was telling them about how God was holding out on them and that they themselves could be like God. And that is really what's at the heart of an addiction. We believe in some form that we are our own God. We believe that our own behaviors were sufficient. Our own decisions were enough. And we've come to find out that's actually not true. We've made a wreck of our lives. God's will is sovereign and it's above all. But our will is stronger than that of Satan himself. Yes, that is amazing, isn't it? It is. When we find ourselves in alignment with the will of God and obedient to that will, we have power over the enemy of God. And that's what getting into recovery is all about. That's what this step is all about. You are resisting the devil and he will flee. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. These are all wonderful verses in Scripture that we lean on as believers. And even in my addiction, I needed those verses. I, I clung to them as my insanity was whirling around inside of my head and I'm trying to make sense of it. When I was in the midst of my addiction, because of the moral constructs of Christianity, I knew that looking at pornography was wrong. Why? Because Scripture says, looking at a woman with lust in your heart makes you an adulterer. That's what I was doing. I was looking lustfully through pornography, and I was looking at other women in my environment around me at any given time, and I knew that it was wrong. I knew that spending time with other women, being sexual with women, I knew that it was wrong. But I wanted somehow to have control of my life. 
because there were other areas of my life that I didn't feel that I was in control of. I didn't feel particularly in control of my work life, even though I was self-employed. I didn't feel particularly in control of my marriage. I felt inferior to you. I didn't feel particularly in control of my children because I knew that because of my behavior, I was an imposter. I was not living up to the morals that I was teaching them, but somehow I convinced myself in my acting out behaviors that I was in control. And it destroyed my life. I was not in control at all. And I just want to say this. It is not my job to be in control of you. And it's not my job to be in control of you. No. It's also not my job to be in control of my children. Right. We're supposed to be leading and guiding our children and relinquishing control ultimately to God, which is really hard to do. That's correct. So, Emily, even though I'm the one working the 12 steps, this step had an impact on you as well, didn't it? Yeah, it sure did. Like I said, women also like to be in control, some more than others. And I spent a lot of our marriage thinking that I could change you as a starry-eyed newlywed. I saw some things in you that I didn't actually think my mom would approve of when I married you. And I was like, oh, he's a new believer. I can show him how to live properly. I can show him how to follow God. I can change him. A lot of women have that idea in mind when they get married. It's okay if he does those things. I'll change him. He loves me so much and I love him so much. I can make those changes. That doesn't ever work. It's futile and it causes a lot of conflict, actually. And in the same way, when we don't turn our will over to God, it's futile and it causes conflict in our life. Yes. So what did that look like for you to turn your will and your life over to the care of God? Well, after discovery and the devastation of what happened in our marriage, I had to go through the grieving process, which included some denial and some bargaining, thinking that maybe it was somehow my fault or that maybe I could have stopped it a long time ago, changed you, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I realized pretty quickly that there was nothing that I could do to make you want to recover or to make you take the steps you needed to, to be responsible and mature. I really had to leave you in God's hands. And that was a difficult step to take. But I am really glad that I did that because it wouldn't have done me any good to try. And it would have just caused more problems between us than anything good that could come out of it. I think I started learning to turn my will over to God with our kids after I realized that my teenagers were not going <laughs> to do what I wanted them to, no matter how hard I tried. And it was such a struggle that I finally said, God, they're your kids. You love them more than I do, even though I love them to death. And you're going to have to work on these kids. And so that was probably the beginning of me learning how to release control to God, turning my will over to his care. So, yeah, I think just with you, it was something that we learned together as you were going through your program. You had shared with me one time that even starting in Sex Addicts Anonymous was something that you had to learn to give up. Yes, because I think I mentioned before that when you first brought that up, 
a secular program like this, I wasn't real keen on it. I <laughs> I didn't understand very much about it. All that I had heard was some phrases about a higher power and God of my understanding. And so, yes, when you mentioned that, immediately I thought, um, no, I don't think so. I want to impose my will on you. But instead, I said to God, you know what? I'm just going to leave this up to you. You and Johnny need to figure it out because I can't, I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. So I'm leaving it up to you, God. Emily, thank you for sharing that. I can see the pain in your eyes. It's hard not being in control. <laughs> it's really, um, it makes you feel very powerless. But that's exactly where we need to be, to have God step in. Because he's not going to step over us. Yes. He needs for us to get out of the way of our own accord, through our own will, so that he can do the work that he's best at. Yes. Amen. God's word tells us that his love is made perfect in our weakness. That's what you really had just said. Yes. So, Emily, there are some things to know about this step that I want to pass along. Okay, let's go through that. The first thing to know is that step three of recovery means only making the decision to move forward with God's help. Okay, so it's just a decision to move forward. It's not actually the action of moving forward. That's correct. The actions will play themselves out in the steps that are to come. But right now, you're just deciding to turn it over. You're letting go of your old habits, your old behaviors. You're starting to let go of the past for the very first time. Even though in these first three steps, what you've done in the past is going to be very present for you because there are a lot of pressures right now as you start to come out of the addiction, pressures primarily from those that you have hurt in the past. And it takes a little while to come out from underneath those. Just because we join a recovery program and we start working the steps, it doesn't undo the pain that we caused. It doesn't straighten out the wreckage. That will come in some of the later steps as we start to sort that out. But right now, we're really deciding who's in charge and making a decision to let that person be in charge. So the question at this point in step three is, are we in charge or is God in charge? When we turn our will over, that means we're surrendering our plans. And when we turn our life over, that means we're surrendering our path. So another way to say this step is that I made a decision to turn my plans and my path over to the will of God. I like that. That's easy to understand. The next thing to know is that you don't have to understand the destination in order to move forward. Clarity comes with movement. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Like the quote by Henrietta Mears, it's difficult to steer a parked car, so get moving. That's correct. That's exactly the idea. So it's time to get moving forward. And the biggest step in that right now is making that decision about who's in charge. We're going to just say that uh, for the sake of step three, that God is now in charge and we're moving forward. And the last thing to know is to do the next right thing. Commit to recovery and to spiritual growth. This is a very important part here. Making the commitment to recovery and your spiritual growth is what we're doing when we make the decision to turn our will and our life over to the care of God. And 
the idea of doing the next right thing, that's a permanent idea. It's perpetual. As you move through your recovery, there will always be a next right thing to do in any circumstance. From here on out, we will always be trying to ask ourselves, what is my next right step? And when we comprehend what that is, no matter how uncomfortable it might be, we take that step. But we do so in faith that we have God taking care of us because we made the decision to turn our lives over to him. And that is how we order our lives. Because when we directed our own steps, those decisions and the steps that we made based on our own understanding got us to where we are currently as addicts and needing to be in recovery. But through the power of recovery and through the grace of God, as we spend time with him, we can undo all of that. There is one passage in the green book underneath the third step that I wanted to share. It's just an idea, so uh, go with me on this. When we turn our will and our life over to the care of God, we're not turning our will and life over to the control of God. That's a good point. I have made mention before that God is the perfect gentleman. He never takes anything from us. He waits until we're ready to give it away. And sometimes that just takes a lot of time. Why? Because we have a very strong will that he himself gave us. Very good. So, Emily, what's our word for today? Oh, I'm glad you asked because it's one of my favorites. I learned this scripture passage when I was a kid. It's from Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. That's such a good verse. And so, Emily, here is the hope in that. That as we trust in the Lord with all our heart and we lean not on our own understanding, and if we submit to him in all our ways, he's going to make our path straight. This speaks to the very heart of what we're talking about with regard to the 12 steps, that as we turn our will over to him and we're making a choice to not do things our way any longer, to do things his way, that as we move forward in recovery, he will make our path straight. That's great news. Johnny, thank you for outlining that step for us and... If you would, could you just say a prayer for us today? Absolutely. Father, thank you so much for bringing us together for this time. Thank you, Lord, that we have the steps that are measured and directed so that we can follow them. I thank you, Father, that in the inspiration of these steps as they were written down, that your fingerprints are all over them and that your path and your way is all inside of it, that if we open up our eyes to this path of recovery and put you in the middle of it, we will find that place where we can move forward on a straight path. We thank you, Lord, for this time and for those who are now making their own decisions to turn their will and their life over to you. I pray, Lord, for your mercy that they will not have to receive the entire punishment which is deserved from their actions, that, Father, your favor would reign upon them through grace and that you would walk with them each day in peace, peace that only comes through your presence. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so in recap, step three of recovery means only making the decision to move forward with God's help. Surrendering our will means surrendering our plans. Surrendering our lives means surrendering 
are paths. Next, you don't have to understand the destination in order to move forward. Clarity comes with movement. And last, do the next right thing. Commit to recovery and to spiritual growth, and he will make your path straight. Johnny, do you have something that we want to leave with our listeners today? Yes. Take the time to contemplate the first three steps of recovery, because they will be the foundational steps of your recovery, and everything that you do from here on out will depend on having a good understanding of these first three steps. If you are currently in Sex Addicts Anonymous, keep in contact with your sponsor and with other program members in order to stay on the path and keep moving forward. But if you're not currently engaged in a recovery program and you need some help moving forward, book a coaching call with me at coaching.beyondbrokenvows.com and I can get you started. As we wrap up today's show, I'll just say this. Abstinence from sexual acting out is not the highest goal of recovery. Connecting with God and with other people is the higher goal. I just want to be clear in this, though that being abstinent from our sexual acting out behavior is a very high goal because when we stay clean and when we are working our recovery program, we give our wives the security that they need. And when they feel secure, they will be the greatest ally in us moving forward as well. I'm really glad you brought up that point, honey. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. So Emily, what's on tap for next week? So the holidays can be difficult for people for a lot of different reasons. And for a sexually betrayed wife, there is some very deep and painful emotions around the holidays, whether that betrayal happened during the holiday season or not. The holidays do bring up memories of the life that was before discovery and all the holidays that were experienced up to that point, and if they were real or not and what they meant truly. So we're going to unpack that a little bit more next week. Emily, that sounds really important. You're not going to want to miss this. So until next time, marriage is redeemed, hearts renewed on Beyond Broken Vows podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. And before you go, if this podcast encouraged you and you're feeling some hope for today, please share this show with someone else you know who is going through a similar situation and needs to know that they're not alone. One of the best ways that you can help us reach more people is to leave us a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. And as always, we would love to hear from you with questions and comments. Just email us at support at beyondbrokenvows.com. As you walk out this journey one day at a time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.